Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. All right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about the most Nicolas Cage movie of all time, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, featuring Nicolas Cage playing himself, as well as Pedro Pascal, Ike Barinholtz, Tiffany Haddish, Neil Patrick Harris. It's it's a really fun, wild movie. And for fans of movies in general, you're going to love it. For fans of Nicolas Cage, you're especially going to love it. And joining me to talk about it are the hosts of two different Cage-related podcasts, Daryl Edge from the Cage Rage podcast and Petros Petsalivis from the Caged In Coppola Connections podcast, which I was just recently on talking about Seven Chinese Brothers, a film that I love. Uh, and I was also on Cage Rage a while back, so check that out as well. Before we get to the conversation with these two guests, uh, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can rate and review us wherever you listen. We would appreciate those five stars. And follow us on social media at PiecingPod. So we got a long conversation coming up, so let's just get into it and talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent. All right, today is probably the episode I've been most excited about doing this year because, of course, I'm a big Nicolas Cage fan. And to talk about the unbearable weight of massive talent, I had to get not one, but two other huge Nicolas Cage fans. I've got Petros from Caged In and Daryl Edge from Cage Rage. Guys, how's it going? Oh, very well, very thank well. you. Oh, there we go. Oh. Look at that. We're in sync. <laughs> we are, we are, that was perfect. That's how in sync we are of our love for yeah. Nicolas Cage, that we even say hello at the same time. <laughs> yeah. When I was thinking about, like, who am I going to do this episode with, I'm like, I kind of just need to have both of them on, because uh, how else are we going to get the full breadth of uh, discussing Nicolas Cage and this insane movie and everything that goes into this. But, uh, you know, before we start getting to the movie itself, uh, I figured since obviously both of you will be covering this movie on your own podcasts, uh, let's start with you, Daryl. What do you have planned? Uh, are you are you doing just the main episode? Are you doing anything else uh, related to the, the movie? Uh, well, we've got a main episode coming out in due course. And like, uh, as I'm sure Petros will mention as well, we've both had the recent massive pleasure, pun intended, of chatting with the uh, co-writer Kevin Etting and co-writer and director Tom Gormican as well, which was a lot of fun. Um, first press junkets for both of us. Those episodes are both live now. Um, you'll notice as well, because I, 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 I listen to yours, Petros, and yours is very professional. You're a seasoned interviewer, <laughs> but as I... 
this is a sneak behind the curtain for me. Um, if you listen to my episode, you'll notice it's a bit rambly at the start because I didn't realize the interview had started. Um, <laughs> I was, you know, the, the rookie going in, uh, I thought they were going to say like an action or something or three, two, one, and count me in. Didn't happen. So I just sound like a bit of a lunatic for about two minutes. But other than that, it gets really good. Um, so an interview and an episode to come. That sounds awesome. Uh, what about you, Petros? What do you got planned? So I have two episodes planned on the unbearable weight of massive talent, apart from the interview. One of them being possibly the greatest and dumbest idea I've ever had, which will be <laughs> myself, Daryl here, uh, representing Cage Rage, uh, a guy called Stu representing the Cage Fighting Podcast, and both the co-hosts of the this podcast was written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Will be joining me for a mega chat all about the unbearable weight of massive talent, but also we're going to try and figure out once and for all a top five Nick Cage ranking. So we're going to compile all of our rankings. I have sifted the internet, the message boards, the, the Reddit, like the 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 one true god subreddit i've reached out to previous <laughs> guests and that got their top fives and i'm yeah empiric like empirically figured it out so whatever's at fifth place is one point whatever's at first place is five points and it's it's, it's fucking driving me insane i'll tell you that oh, for sure <laughs> trying to trying to compile all this data oh that must be just such a process yeah i i can't even imagine but it's going to be fun to listen to that's for sure I, i'm very excited to see how that that list like kind of comes together and also that conversation i mean that's that's going to be crazy but uh it should be a lot of fun i mean how often does a movie like this come along that you know can can inspire you know podcasters such as yourselves to to want to like really take such a huge undertaking like this you know mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's a wild thing and um, I had so much fun with this movie I, I guess let's just get it out of the way were you were you both happy with it I mean being such Nicolas Cage fans I know I was what, what about you guys I, th- I think it's fair to say we were both quite thrilled with it yeah. Um, and it, it sounds like a humble brag to say it, but we somehow wormed our way into um, a, an advanced screening, a, mm-hmm. uh, a VIP screening, he says, you know, quotes. We were just there sort of slinking and going, we shouldn't be here. <laughs> but I, I think it's fair to say we were very happy with the movie. So it's one of those, you sort of expect bits and pieces when you go into it, but um, I think... For all those people, for all those people out there, and I'm sure they do it all the time um, on other podcasts like this as well. Saying, "Oh, the trailer showed everything. The trailer showed everything." Quiet down. You're wrong. You haven't seen anything. Mm. Um, I think. I think one of the main points. Uh, there's a scene with a wall that you see in the trailer. It plays so well in the movie, um, and it's one I've been thinking about and as well and trying to. See how many times I can just go to my local cinema just to keep pushing it back up the rankings and take out Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> yeah, right. I want to use my AMCA list and just buy a bunch of tickets for it since uh, not enough people are going. But um, but yeah, no, the, the jokes like that play so much better in the actual movie itself, I've found. And yeah, it, you're right. It's not all in the trailer. I, I This trailer kind of worried me a little bit, to be honest with you. Like, I loved, of course, the idea of it. I love meta movies and I love Nicolas Cage and I, I love the idea of the movie. I didn't really think the trailer was 
selling me in the way that I was hoping it would, mm -hmm. but I was really pleasantly surprised laughing the whole way through. Um, I, this other than jackass is probably the most I've laughed in the theater this year. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also the laugh with a crowd that all were also laughing. I mean, it's one thing to be like the one idiot in the, in the crowd who's laughing, but to be in a group of people, that's all just having a great time is a really special thing. Yeah. I've seen the film three times now. So the first time being that press showing, and it was really interesting because obviously it would have been a room full of cine literate people. Well, at least most mm. of them. So like there was a lot of jokes that were getting like great laughs, the stuff that kind of not just the meta jokes about Nicolas Cage, but the stuff that kind of pokes aim at Hollywood as a kind of industry and like what, sure. what we come to expect of the, the films that this is aping and kind of uh, sometimes falls into in parts, but like get, gets away with it. But it's been interesting to watch it with like different audiences. So like mm -hmm. the second time I watched it, I was, I I had that weird feeling. Where I was like watching it like I fucking made the film. Like I, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like when you when you hear those, hear like the directors going like, oh, the first time I I snuck into the movie theater to watch it with an audience, and I was kind of I was on I was on tenterhooks. So I, I I had that experience watching it. I was like, why? My baby I was like, I'm just there. a podcaster. I, like, I have nothing. I have no actual. I don't know, I, I guess I have a vested interest in this film that if a lot of people see it, maybe more people will listen to my podcast. But sure, apart from that, yeah. it's like, I, I, I didn't make the film. I'm not, I'm not Pedro Pascal. I'm not Nicolas Cage. I'm not Tom Cormigan. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> we have to stress funny. that we're, we're not being paid by Lionsgate to promote this movie in any way, shape or form. We're just men. We're just normal <laughs> yes. men. <laughs> yes. Just a, just a bunch of guys who love Nicolas Cage and love this movie. But uh, <laughs> let's start getting into some puzzle pieces and we'll talk about everything that worked and maybe some stuff that didn't work and and everything else along the way but uh we'll start with you daryl what do you have for your first piece um well there was a number of uh pieces i was thinking about here but i think one i wanted to i was quite excited to get out of the way first and i suppose to bring a uh i suppose it's no no surprise to listeners of your podcast that you're a you're an evil dead fan so evil mm -hmm. dead adjacent i would like to bring to the table uh my name is bruce from 2007 nice um we're talking about meta films um I think this is one, probably for a variety of reasons, slipped under a number of radars when it released. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I vaguely, it's been about 15 years, maybe 13, 15 years since I've watched it, but um, this is almost a, I don't know, I suppose, <laughs> a horror version of Massive Talent in a way. Sure, yeah. A, a real life monster comes to town and the people uh, go calling on the doors of one Bruce Campbell to save the day. I kind of want to watch My Name is Bruce again now. I don't remember if it was that good, um, but <laughs> I just I just love Bruce Campbell. He's he's a, another guy for me like Nicolas Cage who can do no wrong. Yeah. So a, a meta horror version of uh, Massive Talent, which um, watch more Bruce Campbell films. Come on, people. If you don't know by now. <laughs> Seriously, that, that's such a great piece to, to kick it off with. I can't believe I didn't think of it, honestly, uh, because it, that's perfect. It really is like the the horror version of this being more of, you know, an action comedy. And yeah, it, it's great. And Nicolas Cage does have a lot of parallels to Bruce Campbell and, and the kinds of careers that they have, especially in some of the uh, weirder and straight-to-video kind of stuff that the two of yeah. them have done over the years. There are some actors I think you can sort of make these parallels. I don't know. I think we're coining a term here, these Cajun parallels. 
Mm. Where I think, as you said right there, Nicolas Cage, like Bruce Campbell, there's probably going to be a lot that you haven't heard of. You'll have heard of the big hitters. You'll have heard of your Evil Dead's, um, your Evil Dead TV series. You might have well have caught him on um, Ye Olde Burn Notice back in the day as well. Sure. And for like Nick Cage, you'll have heard of your Con Airs and your Face Offs and uh, your Mandy's and the such. But there's a lot of things in the in the. The interim as well, which hopefully between us Cage fans we can shed some light on, just like my name is Bruce as well. So (laughs) the the message is, you know, the big hits are nice, but sometimes you've got to look for those B-sides, people. There's some gold on the B-sides as well. Absolutely. I think what's interesting about both Nicolas Cage and Bruce Campbell is they both have that innate uh, aspect to them that they can make any film they're in a insert actor's name film do you know what i mean like it's a nicholas cage film it's like a genre to itself it's like uh, a bruce campbell film like if he's kind of front and center it's like it's a bruce campbell film like you look at something like baba hotep it's like oh nobody else could do that apart from uh bruce campbell like you nicholas cage in like 99 percent of his films is like yeah only nicholas cage could do that phil i I love that That, that's so great that's that's why they're they're so beloved they why they both have such huge cult followings for Uh sure uh but let's go to your first one petros what do you got i've got uh the spike jones film being john malkovich just because i think that sure both films deal with that aspect of celebrity and that idea of how we perceive an actor or we perceive the idea of celebrity and i guess being john malkovich is kind of a far weirder version of uh the unbearable weight of massive talent there's there's, there's similarities but there's also stark stark differences whereas this one is kind of delving into the mind of nicholas cage through the eyes almost of like fans whereas being john malkovich is people genuinely going into the mind of john malkovich and finding stuff out about themselves as opposed to sure. kind of peeling back any layers of john malkovich himself and yeah i think they work as well as uh at some point because i remember reading somewhere that nicholas cage was approached to play the charlie sheen character in being john malkovich and uh as kind of yeah john malkovich's friend and confidant when he kind of starts to realize that things are going weird in his life and i think yeah i think they're they're kind of yes de- de- definitely i think uh charlie kaufman uh specifically sure. is is at the at the base of s- this film somewhere kind of you could pick up any of his films and kind of go oh yeah there's there's similarities to the unbearable way absolutely yeah yeah and, and you're getting uh nicholas cage from the point of view of the fans but also from the point of view of nicholas cage here in the scenes uh-huh. where he's interacting with his uh kind of id like uh personification of younger nicholas cage as nikki uh which are such fun scenes to watch yeah what's what, what what's fascinating about that as well is i know that like tom and kevin said like they kind of gave Nicolas Cage this choice of which era of his kind of life he would like to draw upon. And he chose Mm. that specific Terry Wogan interview version of himself because he doesn't like that guy. So it was the perfect way to kind of 
make uh, make make him the villain he's like that guy's obnoxious do you know what I mean he kind of front flips out onto the stage throwing dollar bills at people and, and karate kicking and stuff like that and I think I think that's really interesting that that's kind of a note he had so obviously he that's yeah that's very much coming from him but I know he's also said that I don't know like this isn't this isn't who he is so I think that's where sure kind of that thing of like yeah it's it's kind of through that I don't know weird lens of what people perceive Nicolas Cage to almost be yeah it's like him getting to reckon with his younger self while at the same time like well actually no that's not me so don't read too much into it I, but at the same time he is doing it yeah so. and he's reckoning with that perception that kind of memification of Nicolas Cage in a way as well yeah Absolutely. So I'm going to uh, continue right along with your Charlie Kaufman there and go with adaptation for my first piece, which I told you guys I would, of course, be uh, <laughs> using here in this conversation. Uh, you guys both know how much I love this movie. It's my, my favorite movie, but uh, not just for um, dueling Nicolas Cage performances here. Of course, in adaptation, he's playing both Charlie Kaufman and his fictional brother, Donald. Uh, so you've got that in there as well, but also just for the way that this movie plays out and its plot. I mean, we've got this, uh, this character, Javi, who, uh, wants Nick Cage to star in his movie and they kind of want the movie to go one way. And as the movie is unfolding, we're seeing it unfold in a way that they didn't quite want it to go necessarily with kidnappings and whatnot. Uh, and that is exactly the struggle that Charlie Kaufman goes through in adaptation while trying to uh, adapt this book about flowers and not turn it into a big Hollywood thing. And of course, as it goes on, the whole movie is becoming this big Hollywood thing with drugs and love and sex and, and violence and all that stuff. So there, there's a lot, I think, that they drew on adaptation here and uh, turned it on a into like a meta meta version of what was already a meta thing in adaptation. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the things I noticed in watching Massive Talent, the same as I noticed in watching Adaptation for the first time, is that you're kind of watching the story be written as it unfolds. Um, yeah. And it was like, I remember watching Adaptation for the first time and feeling really smart. I was like, I'm watching this happen. I was like, yeah. I, it was like <laughs> the light bulb went. I was like, I get it. I understand cinema. I'm now an auteur. Yes. Um <laughs> I think exactly. I think exactly what you're saying. They're taking up. I think a, a heavy bit of inspiration from adaptation because everyone's talking like, uh, "Oh, you know, this is this has got to be a, a heavy character drama. It's got to be um, it's got to be a this. It's got to be a that." And then it uh, just unfolds before your eyes, and then suddenly they've won an award at the end of it. And I was like, "Oh well." So you know, when in when in doubt, end your film with Nicolas Cage getting an award. Yeah, that's a good uh, message there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think adaptation is kind of. I know. I know Tom Gomkin has said. Did he say on your podcast adaptations his favorite Nick Cage film as well, right, Daryl? So, I think there's. Oh, he's got good taste. This is this is very much a, a love letter to that film, and I, it kind of it doesn't go as weird and kind of doesn't go as navel gazy as adaptation, but I don't think I don't think anything can unless it's from the mind of Charlie Kaufman. Like, do you know what I mean? It kind right, of sure. that that is like an <laughs> like yeah, that is a snake eating its own tail of a movie that hmm. like kind of I don't know gets gets really sad. There's obviously like I think one of the things that 
I don't know. Um, a lot of people have been noticing since seeing Massive Talent is there's like a there's a melancholic edge to the film that I think is like is really great and the balance of tone it kind of like teeters on a knife edge of this sadness of this Nick Cage we see in the yeah. film kind of yeah it's it's funny but then the next moment you're kind of like oh my heart do you know what I mean you feel for him it's yeah. like uh, dealing with that um perception of who you are and what you mean to the world and what you mean to the industry and the fans that are around you is yeah is heartbreaking and i think i don't know yeah adaptations definitely yeah it's it, it's the number one pick right we should have we should have opened the episode we sh- you should have gone first david you should have opened on that oh. <laughs> so far we're, we're on a roll all three of these pieces i think are great so we're 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 going good already but let, let's start getting into some more what do you uh have for your next one daryl um so I, th- I think following on with that with one film that has a duality of cage with another um i think it's only fair that we bring face off into the mix nice you know i think i think all of us went like yeah of course he said face off nice 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 <laughs> um just watched it again recently the other the other night and and again this is a film that i think it's easy to miss on these things on like first viewings, maybe with a massive talent. I think maybe the same with an adaptation, maybe the same with a face off, but it shows, I think one, I think the range of uh, Cage's acting from it showing how many emotions this man can do. Um, and also him balancing multiple characters in the film with massive talent. We've got this Nick Cage. Uh, we've got the sort of imaginary uh, Terry Wogan, Nicky um, in face off. He's um, he's he's playing himself, and then he's playing John Travolta, and then he's playing himself, playing John Travolta, playing himself, and um, I, you know, this is like a humble brag as well. It's taken two years, but I finally got my partner to watch Face Off the other night. And it's one of the, the greatest achievements. <laughs> if if this pod, if this podcast does nothing else, this is one of the great achievements. Um, <laughs> yes, she laughed every time the 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 face hand thing happened, and and she. I don't know if we can explain why I said to her, don't worry about it. Just let it happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. As you did but, it to her as well. Just let <laughs> yeah, it happen. Just let it happen, babe. <laughs> I did it to her. I did it to the cat. I went to the neighbor and I said, look, just, just let it happen. Just let it happen. Um, and it's, it's one that's obviously there's reference in the movie as well. Um, Javi's got the, the, the grotesque Nicholas Cage waxwork figure with the golden guns. Sure. Um, that's uh, Nicholas Cage tries to buy. I think they add a little nod to Cage's spending habits in there as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I am not a gun owner, but I would love a pair of golden guns. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. If anything, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I would also add on to that. I, 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 by the way, haven't watched Face Off in a long time. I was going to before this podcast. I just did not have time, but I'm going to uh, celebrate by watching it maybe this weekend. But because uh, because I loved it when I was younger. But y- you don't get to a movie like The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent being like dramatic Oscar winner Nicolas Cage only or you know straight to video Nicolas Cage only like you you need to have these big gigantic action blockbusters that people celebrate for decades to even think about a movie like this coming about so I think Face Off is a perfect example of that yeah I think you could interchange any of that kind of what many people call like the golden era of Cage that like kind of uh 
the, the beige Volvo trilogy, like The Rock, Con Air, or Face Off, just because like they <laughs> sure. all kind of get uh, name checked in this film, so like to some degree, whether it's that kind of opening gambit of the the stoned couple watching uh, Con Air or him accidentally turning onto one of the one of the greatest lines from The Rock when he like on the plane where it's like uh, the a-hole line. I'm saying it's one of the greatest lines. I can't even remember it. Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's a phony, everyone. He's a uh, phony. Um, um, my, my mind is just too boggled with fucking data at the moment. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. I, I'm curious to see once uh, you do that ranking episode uh, with all of that data that you guys are, are, are collaborating on, like which one of those three turns out highest on the list? Like that's going to be an interesting thing to see. Well, Tomorrow, we will find out the time of recording. We will find out. And you guys will find out uh, next week. Time <laughs> teases, teases. What do you have for your next piece then, Petrus? So I, I really like, it's only because it's something that jumped to mind. Like, it's kind of have any buddy action cop movie, but one that really jumped to mind was the Jump Street movies from a few years back, the Channing Tatum mm. and Jonah Hill movies. Just sure. because tonally, I think like I don't know. It feels like we've departed from like what this film like talks about is and and the chat you get online all the time. Like the, 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 every time people see a movie, like they come out of the Northman, be like, "Oh, the Northman's great." They don't make movies like this anymore, despite the fact <laughs> I just saw saw this movie or like I'm very what it must sure. They don't make these kind of uh, mid budget like adult comedies anymore. And like I, I think ones that stick in my mind of the kind of last ten years are those jump street movies and especially like getting that tonal like that balance between those two leads right. and like creating that amazing bromance which is kind of like the lifeblood of the unbearable weight of massive talent obviously like you kind of go in expecting it to be like a nicholas cage wankathon and then your kind of heart is taken by this <laughs> like a beautiful bromance between nicholas cage and harvey in the movie yeah. i think yeah that like i don't know imagine yeah like the filmmakers would have been like that's kind of the the ballpark we're aiming for to try and get that buddy comedy like relationship down pack and that kind of energy and it, it yeah i think totally yeah. They kind of feel like similar movies. Yeah, you were talking about the melancholy earlier, and the whole bromance angle to this is like super important to this movie. Just you know, not just turning into just you know silliness and and nothing more than that. Like there there is a character at the center of it who you know needs a friend, and there's two characters who really need friends, and mm -hmm. they connect, and they connect over their shared love of movies, and that's an exciting thing for people like us who love movies. Yeah, and, and obviously they're like they're two sides of the same coin right they can't they can't escape the lives that they've made for themselves whether it's kind of harvey with being blood relatives to like uh, an arms dealer or nicholas cage kind of he's so entrenched in being an actor and there's kind of like a pivotal moment where it's like you can't just turn your back on the life you've created for yourself or is like foisted upon you. Like you like you kind of, yeah, Harvey says to Nick, like you've got this talent. You need to use it. You need to kind of it's one of the 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 greatest things in this kind of ever ever increasing depressing world we live in. And I yes. think I, I think that's that's that that's really interesting and it is like I don't know, yeah, that 
they can't escape their lives, but they find each other in the kind of maelstrom and, I don't know, throes of it all. And yeah, like, especially that, that conversation about mo- like the top three movies is just like, ah, oh, I've had that, I've had that conversation so many times. It's like, yeah, they're, they're the times where you're like, this is, this guy's going to be my friend forever. We've kind of got, got similar top threes or whatever. We, we, we love the same obscure 70s movies or something like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, th- that's, I think, probably the reason people like us become movie podcasters is because we're constantly having that conversation over and over again. So, yeah, it, it definitely uh, it definitely hits home uh, a lot. I'll, I'll go to my uh, next piece here, uh, which I'm going to go with Ben Stiller's comedy Tropic Thunder. Uh, a movie that so just beautifully skewers the self-importance of Hollywood uh, actors, action movies, um, the problem with worshiping, you know, celebrities as heroes and idols and how they're just kind of messed up people too. And uh, that also is just a hilarious nonstop self-referential meta movie that, that the whole time is just such a blast to watch if you're a fan of movies in general and of Hollywood and that is just completely filled with inside jokes and uh, all the kind of things that we hoped this movie would be being the Nick Cage movie and uh, absolutely delivers on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think this this is one of the things I think I remember speaking to you, Petros, that we'd be kind of a bit nervous about. I think for some reason, you know, we, we were joking earlier about taking credit for this film and I think I think we should at this point, let's be honest with ourselves. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> A, a weird tangential side note a friend of mine I've not spoken to for years messaged me on Instagram is like I saw unbearable weight of massive talent really good I feel like I should thank you but I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, yeah sure why not and I think you want this these kind of things where uh, you know actors can sort of poke fun at themselves and we can have meta jokes but then it's things that aren't too I guess exclusive and I'm going to cast people out and there are, you know, of course there are jokes in this for the Nick Cage fans, but I think also the joy is, I think a fear of mine was like, do you need to have a Nick Cage podcast to watch this movie? Mm. No, you, you don't. And then um, uh, I think, you know, it's the joy of Cage as well, which I think a lot of people don't quite cotton on to sometimes, that he is in on the joke. He is aware, right. even though he's, you know, not on the internet and... Googling himself, unlike you, Pedro Pascal. I know you're you, you rap scallion. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he, he's in on the joke, and we can all, you know, we're he's allowing us into that world. Um, so it's it's nice, it's nice when people can sort of let the mask down a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point you made about like, yeah, in regards to Nicolas Cage being in on the joke, and also the fact that. You don't have to be a Nicolas Cage aficionado to enjoy Massive Talent. And I think that same vein runs throughout Tropic Thunder, right? In the fact that there are jokes for the massive film fans and stuff like that, the kind of poking fun at the the what you've got to do to to get an Oscar with like the the simple Jack stuff and the kind of clear pastiches to stuff like apocalypse now and obviously if you've seen hearts of darkness you'll be like oh yeah they're kind of riffing on that element of it they're riffing on this whereas it just does work as a just silly comedy as well and i think that's what yeah massive talent does as well it's kind of yeah like i said you kind of go in expecting it to be a nick cage 
wankathon. I'm just because I like that term, and 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 it's swept up because it's something it's something different. It's it's still it's still fun. There's jokes, yeah. There's a scene where they take acid. That's funny. That's funny, regardless of who it is or what the context of the film is, especially in the way that it's exactly. handled in this film. Absolutely, and like also like some of the other characters, like uh, you know Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish, uh-huh. who I I'm not typically big on either of those two actors, but they were funny. They had very funny moments in this, and yes. uh, Neil Patrick Harris has his moments. I mean, everybody really gets moments, especially Pedro Pascal gets, you know, so many funny moments in this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny regardless of who the movie is about. It just so happens to also be a Nick Cage movie. Yeah, you could imagine a version of this film in some way where it's kind of stripped out like it, it, it would have to have a major rewrite but kind of just being about an actor who is struggling with their career do you know what i mean it yeah. kind of adds another great aspect to it that it is nicholas cage and it's self-referential and he's in on the joke but like yeah you could see a version of this film just about i don't know do, do you know what i mean johnny funder like the struggling actor and like there's there's enough kind of I don't know, kind of uh, shared memory we all have of actors, Nicolas Cage being one, who've kind of had these turbulent careers where they've had their ups and their downs, their their yeah, their peaks and their valleys, and it's kind of yeah, yeah, it's it would still work. By the way, the new Guy Ritchie movie that's coming out later this year that's been delayed like six times. I, I think that's kind of what that movie is, uh-huh. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. I'll be using this as a puzzle piece when that movie comes out. I, so. I don't, yeah, I, that's one of those films. It's, it's like the new Morbius. I, I, I don't believe it exists until, right. <laughs> until it's actually released. Like, like, the sure. poster never looked real for that movie. It kind of no, it like doesn't. First day, do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah get, get the intern to do the, do the graphic design for this one. And then, like, yeah, like, I, I think I've seen the trailer loads of times when they were pushing it, and then it got pushed back, and then they've kind of dumped it, and I'm sure it will get wheeled out once it actually is, is near a release. <laughs> so, uh, Daryl, let's go to your next piece. What do you got? Um, I think, first of all, Petros, it's the summer of Morbius. Have some respect, man. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think just uh, uh, I think jumping off, I think that's a point you were talking about, about what this film could have been. Um, a film that more or less was what you were talking about with a struggling actor making a comeback i suppose um and one that occurred to me uh far too recently uh was birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance from 2014 um and that being about a a fading cinema star who's you know trying to uh, sort of get the career back on track uh, and he's haunted by um, I guess the successes of the past are through the, the titular the Birdman, in the same way that Nick is, I guess, really harassed slash encouraged slash French kissed by Nicky in this movie as well. There's this idea of, I suppose as well, sort of poking idea at celebrity about you know the, the the idea we have of like movie stars and in these films the sort of this inner combative nature of what they want to do next versus what they've been tied to in the past as well mm. it's always this interesting thing of in a way you know do you embrace what's come before or 
Do you keep on moving on to different things? And I guess, you know, you know, we speak about the duality of Cage as well. You know, he's a man who has been in every genre and done it pretty well, I think, and then continues to do new things that are unexpected. Um, obviously, in the movie, he wants to move away from acting because he's in debt in the movie. Um, but then by the end, has rejuvenated his career. Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Could could have gone a bit of a darker way, like Birdman as well. Yeah, but like you know, it, it's so easy for us to end up gushing about Cage, and I'm I'm sure we will continue will continue to do so as the episode goes on. Uh, but even now, he's still doing things that are surprising. Like we've got t- two Nicholas Cage westerns that are coming up forty plus years into his career. Um, yeah. So the man, the man is. The proverbial box of chocolates you do you do not know what you're gonna get and that's the way i like it he is the mystery chocolate box man and that's the way um <laughs> that's the way he will live in my memory forever yeah i i, I think that's a great piece to uh to include and and you know even though uh michael keaton is drawing on that you know knowledge of him previously being batman i i think you could see nicholas cage like influence as well in that role i mean it just seems like somebody who's just going big you know and going big in that way that we all associate with somebody like cage yeah definitely and i was saying that as well i know i think michael keaton's coming back for the flash if ezra miller hasn't been recast and arrested by that point hawaii sure, lock up sure. lock your island down and get him out um <laughs> And then there's these, I don't know if there are rumours at this point, but there was an interview that Cage did recently where he didn't outright say no to doing Superman. And that's mm. and that's got, you know, loon, Cage lunatics like us thinking, wait a minute, what? <laughs> um, so it's, you know, we just, we just don't know. You know, is he going to turn up in Doctor Strange? Is he going to be Superman again? Um, will he finally play Captain Nemo? Captain Nemo. All these questions and more. Um, mm. <laughs> will we get answers? I just want answers. Yeah, I, I, I said at the beginning of the episode, like a movie like this that we're talking about doesn't come along, you know, more than once in a lifetime. But the Captain Nemo and Superman, those would be the two other situations where you guys should just, you know, go nuts scheduling all kinds of extra podcasts <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, so. We'll do a live podcast at sea. To celebrate, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I guess both of us have different, different captain, but uh, we always have a we, we're like Captain Ahab with our white whale of, of, of tracking down <laughs> Nicholas Cage. So, yeah, we'll be seafaring for that episode. I, I like it, Daryl. Let's pencil it in, let's get let's, let's dock at the port, let's, let's set sail. I'll extend the credit card limit and see what the supplies we can get. <laughs> Petros, what do you have for your uh, next piece? It could only be one film, and that is Paddington 2. Nice. <laughs> uh, because it, it gives us not just one of the best like jokes in this film, it gives us some of the heart as well. I like the kind of wrap-up we get at the end, that that is like a callback to that joke, but also, like I don't know, closes out the movie on this really sweet, tender moment of... Nicholas Cage reconnecting with his estranged wife and his kind of yeah distant daughter and kind of that mm. that is the film and yeah Harvey's line like what is it I, I watched it and it and it, ch- it changed me it changed like I, I was a different man for for seeing that yeah. film it's just <laughs> so good like all three times I've seen this movie in the theaters 
it's just like that's got the biggest laugh i reckon like that's one of the, yeah. one of the biggest laughs I've, I've seen in this movie and i think it's it, it has to be a puzzle pick just because it's like that joke i can't think of any other film that is a universally loved and almost as memed like that 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 film is right. memed as much as nicholas cage in the fact that like every i don't know and like a three to six month cycle they'll they'll wheel out the whole thing that like it's i it's rotten tomato score has dropped or a new critic has come out and it's gone back up again <laughs> and it's like that 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 film kind of has this this nicholas cage style uh story to it that like it's always up and down and it's like yeah the, the critic's gonna turn on it as is somebody gonna praise it again and, uh, it's just such a it's a lovely film as well and it's like it is yeah and it's like, i think i agree with harvey it's it's, it's, it's fantastic it's, it warmed my heart certainly. it's a perfect one to like bring us all together and yes. like bring us on the same page as the characters and you know get us that moment of catharsis at the end it's like yeah it, it's a great movie for them to have used for that whole bit for that running kind of gag but also not even a gag it's something we all kind of feel yeah, definitely. And getting to ask the, the writers and director about it, I was like, you know, I think a few of us went into this movie expecting certain movies to be referenced. Um, and I was like, why why Paddington 2? Because I was like, I think it gets mentioned maybe three times in the movie. And um, we're talking about bonding Nicolas Cage and Javi and it are crying together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked the writer and he said, a friend of his actually said um, he cried through the whole movie and it made him want to be a better man um so to, to the wider aspect as well and it's very much for the nature of this podcast as well it's uh massive talent is uh a movie that celebrates making movies as well and paddington 2 is a part of that and i think it should set a precedent for for more films calling out paddington 2 as a celebration as well yeah why not it's whatever brings people happiness in these insane times right so <laughs> <laughs> So I'll go to my last piece, uh, and this one, it, it kind of ties in with a lot of the same themes as my last puzzle piece, Tropic Thunder, but I'm going to go with 2007's Edgar Wright film, Hot Fuzz, which also, it skewers the buddy action comedy while also being a perfect example of the buddy action comedy, and I feel like that's the main thing with Unbearable Weight, is that it is just a really great, uh, we talked about the bromance, it's, you know, it's like a really great bromantic buddy action comedy which is exactly what it's skewering at the same time and so you kind of get both angles of that it's filled with legit action you know real jokes based on both the character and meta jokes about the genre itself and uh two great leading performances that play off each other so well and just have so much chemistry and they're having so much fun you can tell making the movie and uh just the whole vibe between these two movies just really i think connects them really well I think that's a really interesting point about the fact that this film almost gets to have its cake and eat it in the fact that it yeah. gets to skewer those ideas of the, the action comedy, but gets to be it as well. Cause I recently had a conversation with a friend of mine who was talking about the new scream movie and his kind of mm. biggest bugbear with that film was the fact that they were so self-aware with like, Hey, we're playing with the conventions of what a horror movie is but they're also doing it. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. like, I guess that can be like a kind of 
annoyance for people and that's like that that's one of the things i've seen people be down about most on massive talent is that idea that like it's trying to poke fun at something and also trying to do it it Mm -hmm. does it at the same time which i can understand but like like you said i think massive talent does it really well like do you mean you could you could take out the i don't know yeah you it, it it just it just works. It's got it's got great jokes, irregardless of the 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 meta jokes and stuff like that. That it kind of yeah, it's, it's and it's made with love. It's made with kind of care yeah. and attention to its its subject, and you 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 can tell that they care about Nick Cage and they yeah they they, they care about movies, comedy, action movies that like that's that's why I think it gets to have its cake and eat it. Yeah. I, I don't know how you guys feel about the new Matrix movie, Matrix Resurrections, but I, I feel like that kind of exposed people's lack of patience for meta stuff. Um, the, the many people who really just did not like it. And I loved it. And, you know, I, I obviously love a lot of meta type stuff. And I don't know. I just think that there is uh, so much... So much extra to be had there, so much fun, so many, you know, connections to make and, and references to, to have fun with. Um, I, I think it could be a really great thing and add another layer to uh, an otherwise, you know, maybe not as good movie, but it, it could elevate them in ways that are exciting and fun to play with. So, yeah, some people aren't going to connect with that aspect of it, though, for sure. Yeah, it's it's. I think for us as well, you know, I, I know we've got a bit of a running joke about having maybe some, sort of too much running on the success of Massive Talent, whether the history books say it's a, a success or not. But I know it can always be a bit difficult. Some people can get turned off by when films are a bit too knowing and stuff. But I think, as we said, I think, you know, Massive Talent does strike enough of a balance of like cage humor and poking fun of himself and. Um, I suppose some of the conventions of movie making as they're talking about and then acting out a movie in real time as well. Um, but it's, it's, it is just a lot of, it, it is a lot of fun to watch. And I know the, uh, and, and I always tell myself never get involved in the discourse because it doesn't end well. I know the discourse <laughs> at the time of recording is they never release original movies. It's the summer of Morbius. Um, but then, you know, we've got the Northman and massive talent and, um, the question is, are you know, the, the, this is massive talent is the movie you all asked for. God damn it! So go, yeah. go, go and watch it, or send me your your coordinates, and I'll fly out and we'll duel. Yeah, I find that crazy. In the space of a month here in the UK, obviously we've got a delayed uh, release date on one of these, but we had like the Northman one Friday, then the following Friday, uh, massive talent, and then like. Two weeks. Let's not after forget about that. ambulance a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, ambulance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had ambulance. We've had, uh, and then we've got uh, everything, everywhere, all at once coming out on the thirteenth of May here, and it's like mm. this, like all this discourse on they don't make movies like they used to. It's like, or they don't make movies for adults. They do. They really, really do. But the same people who say that are the same people who rush out first day to see all the Marvel movies just so they can kind of get their hot take on Twitter before before that it goes cold. Do you know what I mean? They have yeah. they have to and it's like and then and then they also complain about like, ah, oh, I went to see the Northman and there was like mainstream movie fans there. They won't get it. And it's like 
This is what you want. You want these people to go see these films. No, films aren't going to get made like this anymore if the kind of quote-unquote normies don't go and watch it. It's like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? Like, really, what do you want? Yeah, I'm, I'm incensed. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Please, people, go see these damn movies. Seriously. So that way we uh, don't have to have this discourse over and over again. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the finished puzzle, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here on the unbearable weight of massive talent. We talked about My Name is Bruce, Being John Malkovich, Adaptation, Face Off, 21 Jump Street, Tropic Thunder, Birdman, Paddington 2, and Hot Fuzz. Uh, a lot of great pieces here. Were there any other uh, movies? I know we, we said we were going to prepare three. Were there, is there anything else you guys wanted to shout out? Any, uh, any other like last-minute ones? I, I suppose there were a few for me that might sort of been a bit too similar, so I tried to air on the side of caution for a few um mm -hmm. i was toying with jcvd from 2008 mm -hmm. oh, i sure. think i think that's a if you watch nothing else from the movie just google jcvd monologue and just thank me later um <laughs> i was i was torn between in terms of meta films and i was torn between adding space jam professionals at the top of their game coming back to find that passion um, put Nicolas like Cage it. in Space Jam 3 if you make it you cowards um, and, I, and I suppose I think obviously the, the, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari gets numerous shout outs in the movie as well sure. and, you know Nicolas Cage German expression I've sound like Sean Connery there I'm talking about The Rock um, <laughs> um, but those yeah. those were a few of mine we need a Dr. Caligari uh, Paddington marathon night or something like that. Watch both of those back to back. <laughs> yeah, what, Cage what, favorites. What's Harvey's free picks? It's Face Off, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and Paddington Two. That's that's there's a triple that's bill. A, that's a triple that's bill. It. Yeah, Cinemas put it on. It. You cowards. Do you know what I mean that's <laughs> it? That's that, that's your triple bill. Uh, in regards to other puzzle pieces, I had I had a couple of TV ones just because I felt they were. Like, again, just playing on that idea of subverting uh, the, the public perception and people playing themselves, so one of them being Curb Your Enthusiasm, which obviously Larry David sure. gets to play, I guess, the worst version of himself or the, the version of mm -hmm. himself that he wishes he could sure. be. Of just like... A little uh, of both. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, uh, <laughs> like, Nick, Nick Cage, yeah, gets to play a version almost that the internet perceives him to be and i guess i guess it could it could be the worst version of himself that he's so kind of career focused and kind of uh loves the idea of being a star and is is after mm. that whereas uh, from interviews you get the impression that he is he i don't know the shades of it in massive talent that he he does it he is a workman right he goes out to work yeah and he, yep. he just makes movies he loves making movies so uh, yeah i, I, I kind of like those like and I, I now really want to see nicholas cage in an episode of curb your enthusiasm or get like a, kind of <laughs> a season arc that would be give beautiful. me that yes. please <laughs> don't don't play with my emotions man and the, the only other one was extras the kind of uh the ricky gervais and steven sure. merchant sitcom again just because it's littered with people messing about with their their public and personal personas to kind of i don't know yeah have fun with the audience and get some great comedy out of it 
perfect. Yeah. I, I, I also had, you know, talking about the bromance earlier, I had, I love you, man, but I felt like we kind of got into a lot of that anyway with the <laughs> yes. other pieces. And then uh, similarly to some of my, uh, you know, actor Hollywood type pieces, I also was thinking about uh, Three Amigos, which also sure. deals with actors getting involved in actual action related situations. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> fun movie, of course. Classic. So uh, awesome. Any closing thoughts? And we'll wrap this thing up. Daryl, let's go to you first. Yeah, you know, I, I remember when this when this movie was announced. I was like, "All right, you have my you have my attention." Um, and then going into this, like it, it it's a fun surprise. It isn't isn't the movie you expect it to be. You know, I know we've said it all um, all the way through, but there's there's great humor, there's great sort of emotion, there's sort of pathos, there's a lot of fun and heart in it as well. And, and I think this is a movie I will be continuing to bang the drum about for some time yet. Or at least until Lionsgate sends me a freebie pack or some goodies, and then <laughs> paying me off, and I'll and I'll quiet down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one, of the, and not that I wasn't a fan of him anyway from other roles, but I think this has really put me much more onto the scent of Pedro Pascal in this as well. Yeah. Um, from tweeting about this, my my Twitter timeline just keeps popping up with Pedro Pascal stands, um, and you know what? I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm a fan of the man. I think I might start an account just tweeting about him as well because it seems to do big, big numbers. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm drinking that Pascal Kool Aid. <laughs> nice, nice. What about what about you, Petros? Um, just, just go out, go out and see it. It's like, it's nowhere near as weird as it could have been. Which, like, I, but the, that's not a fault of the movie. And I do think, like, from speaking to Tom and Kevin about the film that there were sequences and ideas that, uh, and it gets me excited. I think the rewatchability for this, especially when it inevitably gets a physical media release, sounds mm-hmm. like it's going to be packed with kind of deleted scenes and stuff like that and sequences. Oh, like, that's exciting. That they spent money on. Like there's a whole kind of cabinet of Dr. Caligari sequence where Cage gets to like uh, have references to some of his old movies with its face off. Uh, leaving Ooh. las vegas like they said they recreated the the hotel room from that where cage kills nikki like in this in this <laughs> cabinet of dr caligari style sequence it's like wow oh, that's, that's great and i think they've they've already just even a small scene they released just on social media maybe it's like pedro pascal like yeah shared it and it was uh hit like just more jokes like revolving it's like what what's his wi-fi password and it's something like oh it's uh it's national treasure Two book of secrets it's like the first nice. the, 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 <laughs> the first letter's a capital and it's like it just just adds um, yeah more into that stuff so so yeah go out and see it because it is uh, it's it's great i imagine if you've probably listened to this you might be a cage fan but if you're not like we've been saying throughout this conversation there is enough in there for the cage acolytes and the kind of i don't know the cage virgins as it were like the kind of the fresh eyes to and yeah hopefully it it draws people into delving back into those movies that we've talked about on this podcast but ones that are referenced in the film like i, I i'm interested I, I wish i could see the amazon and like itunes figures for what's going to happen with guarding tess 
Do you know what I mean? Are the, uh, yeah. the rentals and the <laughs> the rentals and the downloads going to shoot up all of a sudden because people are like, I need to know about this relationship between the the ex first lady and Agent Doug Chesnick. Do you know what I mean? Is that like what, what what's gonna what's gonna happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that movie is gonna have uh, huge numbers over the next couple of weeks for sure. But uh, yeah, awesome. I, I I think that does it for unbearable weight of massive talent. I, I I'm so happy to have both of you guys here on the podcast to talk about this was great uh let's let's get some plugs going guys where can people find your podcast daryl let's go with yours first uh you can find me on all the usual streaming services um your apples and your googles and your pod chasers and where you can rate and stuff um i'm on twitter at cage underscore podcast uh instagram at cage rage pod I've uh, recently started a TikTok account. I'm 30 years old and it feels weird. Uh, <laughs> at Cage Rage Podcast, so you can you can find me on there as well. Try being 41 and uh, starting a TikTok. Touche, <laughs> 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 touche. Mm, yeah. Where where are you at, Petros? You can find me again on all the kind of regular places you download podcasts. So you got to type in is Caged in Coppola Connections because the podcast is in a in, in in a weird new stage of its its life where i'm looking at all of the films the coppola family and you can find me on all the socials uh so yeah that is twitter instagram facebook letterboxd and tiktok 31 years old feeling old don't feel as old as you david but uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah uh, it's, that's all at caged in pod across all of those platforms nice and easy to come find me but yeah come 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 especially come join myself daryl and the the other uk-based nicholas cage podcast for an episode we're dubbing the unbearable weight of nicholas cage podcasts that will be a lot of fun <laughs> i can't wait to listen to that and uh guys <laughs> thanks again so much uh hopefully we'll get you guys back um for some other movies sometime soon would love to amazing thank you so much david Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, <laughs> yeah, buddy! All right. awesome. You're going full Danzig. Right, I am. My, my trans you have no power over me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the unbearable weight of massive talent. Thank you to Daryl and Petros for joining me on that one. That was a really fun conversation. Make sure to check out their podcasts. And while you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe click that five-star button and drop us a little rating and review wherever that is, if it's Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Podchaser, one of the places that you can uh, click a five-star and Type in a little nice little note. We, we'd appreciate that if you did that. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And don't forget about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus content from Piecing It Together, advanced content from Piecing It Together. Uh, I'm actually... Tonight, at the time of recording, I'm also recording The Northman and Sonic the Hedgehog 2, so those will go up on the Patreon as soon as I'm done editing them, and 
then they'll hit the main feed whenever they hit the main feed. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but, uh, you know, you can get them early on Patreon, so that's cool. Uh, there's also bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast that I produce, as well as stuff from my music career, which I'm actually about to start scoring a new film, so uh, I'm going to be very busy for the next month or so while I'm getting that done, while continuing to cover lots of movies here on the podcast, and... Uh, why do I do it to myself? Anyway, uh, speaking of my music, let's close it out with a piece of my music. And while I'm not sitting here saying that I have uh, a, a massive talent, uh, I'm going to play a track that I really do love a lot. Um, this is from my album, my self-titled album, David Rosen. It's called Like Never Before. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. It's a big one, a big dramatic track. So I thought uh, for such a big dramatic movie title, it would be a good fit. So hope you enjoy it. Again, it's called Like Never Before. It's on my album that's just self-titled. It's called David Rosen. Enjoy it. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.